We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to Setting the Pace. Now, here's your host. Alex Golden and Michael J. Fauci. What's going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and joining me as he does every week is the one and only, the great Michael J. Fauci. Fauci, what's going on, brother? Alex, always happy to talk Pacer basketball. Just looking for a little bit of clarity on this head coaching search now that the finals have... uh, you know, finished up. So I'm hoping that we can get there, but uh, it might be a little bit of a day by day approach, maybe even a week by week. Yeah. And so it's funny that you bring that up because Kevin O'Connor just about 30 minutes ago came out on Twitter and said, sources, Chris Finch is considered the front runner to be the next Pacers head coach. Finch has been with the Pelicans since 2017. He then goes on to say, Heat assistants Chris Quinn and Dan Craig will interview with Indiana next, which we already knew about. And he also said Chauncey Billups and Dave Yeager previously had combos with Indiana. So, interesting there because we've seen Dave Yeager really was impressive, according to Woj. We've heard so many different things. We've seen Mike D'Antoni was a front runner, now Chris Finch. Fachi, what are your thoughts on Chris Finch and these possible uh, Heat assistants that will be interviewing this week? So I've been public that I, I'm a Dan Craig guy. I, I really think that it's just there's too many similarities to to Spolstra there. I feel like he's like little Spolstra where, you know, he had basically served as their video coordinator for a while. Then, you know, he, he had been assistant under Spolstra for seven years. He won a G League championship with them, uh, head coach of the year in the G League. Like, feels very Nick Nurse-like, Eric Spolstra-like. So I- I've been, you know, vocal about that. But going to Chris Finch, 
you know, Finch is someone that I feel like a lot of people in the NBA might not know about. He's actually viewed as one of the top offensive-minded coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see, you know, the Pelicans at times. It, I could see that while there could be some interest, but for me, it kind of feels like I'm always more of the I like coaches that are coming from a winning situation where, you know, Finch had kind of been with the Pelicans for the last few years, where they really weren't doing too much, but also not to discredit him by any means because he had also been with the Denver Nuggets. He had been with the Houston Rockets. Uh, so, you know, he's been around. He was actually another guy who was the D-League coach of the year and won a championship over <laughs> there. So that's kind of some of the things that I like to see. I like to see, yeah. the, have you ever had an opportunity to be a head coach? And while it's just the D-League and at this point 10 years ago, uh, I, I do like that he at least has that experience. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I, I told Kent this on Sunday. Like, Chris Finch has catapulted up my list. And I had him like, uh, not really sure who he is. And to, oh, actually doing some research and finding some things out about him that I really liked. And I'm like, he's in my number four. So <laughs> I still like D'Antoni. I still like Johnson. I still like Dan Craig a little bit better. I'm not sure what to believe anymore, Fudge. Everything has been all over the place with these coaching searches. Like, I don't even care. I don't care what anybody reports. It's like, look, just tell me who the next coach is and let's call it a day. Exactly. Like, it's been so much, oh, I've heard this person's had great conversations. Like, who's the one telling you that? Is it the Pacers or is it Chris Finch's agent that said, well, they really liked us. We had a strong interview. We really impressed him. You know, because just like I think it was yesterday, they said Dave Yeager did not impress. So, like, we're hearing that he was really impressive to hearing he didn't impress. So, what do we know? We absolutely know nothing. And so, I've been told this a lot of misdirection. Who knows what that even means? So, really, when it comes down to it, offensive-minded coaches are interesting. I think Kevin O'Connor is a very well-respected NBA reporter, NBA insider, whatever you want to call him. I absolutely love his podcast with Chris Fernan every Tuesday and Friday on the Ringer NBA show. And I really respect his basketball opinions. So, he is a guy that I trust, and I trust his reporting. And if Chris Finch is the next guy, I'm not going to be mad about it. Pretty much just anybody but Dave Yeager I'm cool with. Yeah, I'm not cool with Dave Yeager. I mean, no offense to Dave Yeager, but I just, I don't know. I know he was, you know, pretty successful with with, with Memphis for a little bit. The Kings stretch did not go good. But when you hear that he had, he clashed with management in both spots and never really won anything really over there, I, I don't know. I just feel like why not roll the dice on someone who could be an up-and-comer? You know, I, I would. that's why it's like don't settle for the – this is a coach that can have you at a middle of the pack playoff team. Like, no, why not take a shot at, at, at a young, you know, offensive minded guy, a guy like potentially, you know, Chris Finch or a Chauncey Billups or like a Dan Craig, just someone who is maybe, you know, not as proven, but you're at least doing something different than settling for just a playoff team. Yeah. I agree with that. And, you know, who knows what, what direction they go with. I I think Chris Finch will be a lot more affordable than a Dan Tony. Billups might be a little bit expensive. And I think that that does play a factor. Even though we don't like to call the Pacers cheap because it feels insulting, they are. It's just what they do. So yep. I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mad about it, but it's just like Chris Finch, whether he's a great coach or not, I don't know. But I think offensively you had to get something different because McMillan's offense was absolutely dreadful. And you need something that will help grow these players. And I think Chris Finch could be really great for DeMontis Sabonis' offense. And, you know, I'll be intrigued to see what they do with, you know, <laughs> with Turner now if they do go with Finch. But at the end of the day, there's not much to talk about here besides 
that this would be enticing. So last thing for you, Fachi, before we head over into our top 10 free agents that we both have to share, I'm curious, uh, did you want to sing a little happy birthday to somebody today? Uh, oh my God. I mean, how did you not open up with this? I don't know. That is a very great question. Everybody, for those of you that are not aware, it is my hero, my childhood idol. The man who I tried to have my game resemble after, but came up drastically short, Jermaine O'Neal. All right. So I would just like to say happy birthday to Jermaine, a guy who was nice enough to come (laughs) on the show. Um, he's you know, in your profile picture on Twitter. Right now. Of course he's in my – on Twitter and Instagram, it only <laughs> felt right. My girlfriend's been pushing for that main photo for <laughs> years now. I said, babe, it's Jermaine. It, that, that's all that needs to be said. I mean, well, come on. Can we get a little happy birthday song or is that too much? Uh, that might be come a little on. bit too much. These, Give it these, to these, us. These this is your hero. Quite some time. We will post yeah, it. I, we will post it and send know. it to him. Uh, I Come don't know on. if he wants that. Yes, no, he does. I'm just going to go with a, have a very happy birthday, Jermaine O'Neal. I don't on. think there'll be any I, singing today. What if I sing with you? Uh, yeah, I think you'll probably back out after Come happy birthday. No, I won't. I will sing with you. I promise. Mm, Come on, I'm just going to go with uh, I'll, I'll stick a card in the mail and uh, you know, hopefully happy he gets it. Happy birthday to you. Come on. Happy birthday, birthday to, to you. you. Happy birthday, dear Jermaine. Jermaine. Happy birthday to you. Okay, there you go. See, I sang with you. Don't be hate. No, no, that's true. You did. You did. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, we are so sorry they had to hear that. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we will give you our top ten free agents. So don't go anywhere. Sit tight. Hope you guys enjoyed that little song. We are going to talk today about our top 10 free agent targets. So, Fachi, uh, me and you did this separately. We haven't really shared anybody on our list with each other. So, I'm curious. Let's start from number 10. Who do you got? So, for number 10, uh, Alex, and for everybody listening to this, I don't know if you've really dove into the 2020 free agents. It is not a pretty list. I mean, if you want to go by just unrestricted free agents, whew, this is, uh, it's not pretty. I mean, you, you got to factor in the biggest free agents, obviously going to be Anthony Davis off the bat. You know, there's going to be a few other guys in there, but I wanted to be realistic. And when I say un- unrestricted for Anthony Davis, you just assume that he opts out of his player option. Mm-hmm. So the names on there are not pretty. There's going to be a lot of teams holding out cap room for 2021 so to be realistic, I came up with a group of 10 players that I think that the Pacers have the chance to sign. You also got to factor in the Pacers really do not have much money to play with this year. And the salary cap is expected to decrease. Mm. Last I saw, it was uh, projected to go down to about $109 million. At one point, it was $116 million. So oh, wow. about a $7 million drop. They actually still haven't been able to determine salary cap number uh that's part of why they're pushing back the season pushing back the offseason a little bit trying to determine some of these things but to start my list at number 10 
I'm going with a man we know very well, Jakar Sampson. Jakar, oh, nice. I think, is someone who can re-sign with the team for cheap. I think that Jakar, I would like to think, enjoyed his time in Indiana. Uh, he played for $1.7 million last year. He was one of the last people on the roster to fill it out. And I feel like if you can give him a multi-year deal, I think that he would want to re-sign. I feel like Jakar could re-sign for something in the ballpark of two years, $4 million, two years, $5 million. Nothing that's going to break the bank, but someone who's also going to provide you depth. It felt like he was always ready. So, Alex, as my 10th guy, I'd like to hear your thoughts quickly on that before going to yours. Yeah, so Jakar Sampson obviously did a really good job this year for when he was called upon. I did not put Jakar on my list, and I did not put Justin Holiday on my list, only because I was thinking of non-pacer guys. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think I would really put Jakar as, like, a, a must-bring back. I mean, if he's there and, you know, and he makes sense, then I'd go for it. But I'm just, I don't know. I just I feel like Jakar is what he is. But he's got skills, and we saw what he could do, and I think that that is a good thing. And he's a good locker room guy, good teammate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, quickly for my number 10, I went with Harry Giles, who is a free agent, was with the Sacramento Kings for the last two years, and was drafted, I believe, in the same draft as, tw- I think it was 2017 is when he was drafted, if I'm not mistaken, but yeah. I believe so. Uh, yeah, so his NBA debut was October 17, 2018. He was a t- uh, 20th overall pick in the 2017 draft by the Blazers, and I believe that was traded to the Kings because they had, like, pick 15 and 20 that year but anyway so like over the past couple of years his averages are like seven points a game 69 percent free throw shooter which is not good um field goal percentage though is 53 percent and you know not really gotten a lot of time but you know rebound wise he's got about four rebounds a game in a total of about 14 minutes played so i just feel like you know very similar to jakar Sampson, he's a serviceable guy just not somebody that I think would be like, you know, you know, people would be freaking out about. Like, they'd be kind of like a T.J. McConnell sign or a Jakar Sampson sign again. But, yeah, I like Harry Giles, though. I thought that he had a lot of potential. He was one of the best high school basketball players before he got injured. So The, the number one overall high school recruit. Yep. And so that's why I think. To Duke. Yep, went to Duke. And, you I mean, you don't go to Duke unless you have some talent. That's just the bottom line. So. Really, I was um, I was a fan of him coming out of high school into the college, and then of course he dipped down, and I was uh, not a not a not a f- getting him, and instead of um, I believe this year they drafted T.J. Leaf, so you know I would have even yeah. been okay with him, but yeah, so I like Harry Giles. Uh, I think he played pretty well this year, and if he would give if he if he was given a bigger opportunity, you know we need power forwards. I think he could be a serviceable backup power forward. Here's here's the thing about Harry Giles. The talent is definitely there, but it's a, it's about if his knees will ever give him the opportunity to showcase that. Like I mentioned, this guy was the number one overall recruit to Duke, but both of those knees have taken a beating. I believe he's torn both ACLs in his knees. I could be wrong. I know there's at least one ACL tear and something happened to the other one. That's why he slipped all the way to 20. Uh, at Duke, he didn't get to really showcase um what he wanted to but i think it was a matter of still being able to you know the hype was big enough to be able to go pro in the first round secure some money i do think that's someone where if he came back a second year his draft stock would have been hurt so i like harry giles the player but i would be hesitant to give him any decent money now i don't think he's going to be catching a payday by any means 
but I just wonder if he would be able to live out his next contract. Um, We'd definitely like to see more minutes from him. I I agree with that. So let's move on to your number nine. My number nine, uh, a guy that another person that, you know, I guess I could swap him for eight. So I'll I'll swap my eight with nine because I was really torn on that. Uh, Not a sexy name at all, but someone who has really been solid throughout his career. And that's actually Jeff Green. Jeff Green played last year at $2.5 million. I think he could be had on the biannual exception, which is expected to be two years, $7.8 million. So you're looking at just under $4 million per year, but it's probably going to end up shrinking uh, due to the cap. So I think you're probably going to be looking at two years, $7 million, maybe two years, $6 million. Jeff Green, I think, would be such a good veteran for this Pacers team. Another guy that's not going to break the bank, a guy who I feel like is looking to continue his career. He's bounced around. A bunch, but this guy was really good with Houston's small ball lineup. Uh, just to go over his averages, after being you know released from uh, Utah, in 22 minutes per game, he was putting up 12.2 points per game on 56% shooting. He can still hit the three ball at 35% with them. Just a veteran leader on a, on a young Pacers team, a Pacers team that really lacked veterans. Uh, you know, Justin Holiday was that veteran at 31. So not a sexy name, not going to move the needle a bunch but a guy that is always going to be ready to contribute, and that's Jeff Green, and I think that it won't break the bank. I think he could be had for $3 million per year. I like Jeff Green. I, I really do. I know that he's inconsistent. In some games, you look at him and you're like, man, this guy could be like a top you know, 30, 40 player in the league because he, you know, he has that ability to, to show those kind of flashes once or twice a year. But when reality sinks in, he's just another inconsistent guy that can't ever really figure yep. it out. But I thought he, I thought he did okay in Houston this year, had some really nice moments. But yeah, Jeff Green would be okay. I don't necessarily think he would make a ton of sense for the Pacers, depending on, you know, I feel like he's more of a, a Lakers or a team that's really trying to. Oh, oh, I completely agree. Completely so, agree. So that's where my like little like I wonder if he would really make sense here. But yeah, I mean, as a player though, not bad. So. I'll tell you my number nine real quick, and this might be a little Mm -hmm. bit interesting, but I went with Pat Connaughton from from Milwaukee, who's a free agent. And so, yeah, I mean, not great numbers. His numbers took a little bit of a dip this year, but I think there's just so many wings. He's 27 years old, started in four games, played in 67 games, shot, it looks like, 33% from three, so not great. But he's super athletic, and I think there's a lot of potential for him there. I think he could be a good basketball player, a good role player with this Pacers team. Not sure where he fits in. I mean, depending on what they do with Turner and Oladipo, if Oladipo leaves and they put Aaron Holiday in the starting lineup, like he's somebody that could play some wing with McConnell. So I'd be okay with that. But other than that, I mean, not too much to say about him. Went to Notre Dame, former yeah. player. So yeah, I don't really have much to say about Pat Connaughton other than you know he was just in the dunk contest last year. You know, I remember that. So you know, I definitely remember. You know, hearing that he's athletic, I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched his game too close. You know, kind of felt like a guy that was, you know, just kind of like a rotational player for for Milwaukee when they were blowing teams out. So I never really got to see him have any great games. I feel like, yeah, sure, he's still young enough. Obviously, solidly younger than a Jeff Green. He's got probably about seven years younger. Uh, I knew, you know, my stance when you're at the back end of your list, at least. Green was a bit more proven, but you could definitely still roll the dice on a guy like Pat uh, Pat Connaughton and still get some, you know, squeeze the juices necessarily to to get better play out of him. I think it's more possible 
compared to a Jeff Green where, come on, we know he's on the downside of his career. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I won't knock that. I still feel like that's probably someone who's looking for, you know, not necessarily by any means a payday, but more just a multi-year deal in Pat Kyneton. So yeah. I can see that. But yeah, for sure. Not, and I was going to say, move. I was going to say one more thing too. It's like, I don't know who the Pacers are going to go out and, you know, sign as a coach. But if Darvin Ham is the guy that they end up going with from Milwaukee, he's somebody mm-hmm. that can make a lot of sense too just because he's familiar with Darvin as, yep. a, as a coach and Darvin's familiar with him as a player. And that also gives a little bit of chemistry with Malcolm Brogdon being there as well. Yeah, no, I, that definitely makes sense. Anytime you have a relationship like that, it's only, <laughs> only beneficial. Um, moving to my eighth guy on the list, another guy that we are familiar with. Sometimes that's not the thing that you want, but – a, a guy who's very familiar with Indiana, that's Glenn Robinson III. I knew you were going to say someone, that. I, I liked his game. I always was was trying to petition for more playing time for Glenn, but they just really didn't have the, the, the minutes to give him. A good 3 and D player who left Indiana for greener pastures. He goes to Detroit. Then he goes to Golden State. Golden State situation's not what he thought it'd be. They end up trading him over to Philly and – you know, I, I really like his game where I feel like he's ready for a bigger role but still hasn't earned, you know, the payday to the point where I don't think the Pacers would have to break the bank for him. I think they mm-hmm. can give him the biannual exception, two years right around $7.8 million. So you're looking at about $3.7, $3.8 million per year. Um, I, I think that that's very reasonable for a, a solid 3 and D player that – you know, obviously another guy who's athletic who's been in the dunk contest, uh, you know, when you're thinking about and talking about dunk contests. But <laughs> Glenn Robinson, I feel like he'd be someone that would be open to coming back to Indiana where this time around he's got a bigger role. So what do yeah. you think for uh, Glenn as my eighth, eighth on the list? Well, I, I think that Glenn was a little bit upset the Pacers didn't bring him back. from so. From that year he had a, a career – he had a pretty good year at the Pacers, was a starter for a little bit of the season and had a – Big game winning shot in Atlanta with his dad oh, yeah. in attendance. And I think we that. all remember right that. Yep. And then and then jumping over, you know, Paul. I think it was Paul, right? Yeah, it was Paul, the cheerleader and boomer. Like that was like a classic moment. He did the same dunk three times and won the slam dunk contest. So that's pretty pacer esque because you can kind of do the same thing with Fred Jones. But uh yeah, I mean I just feel like he's been a role player his whole entire career. So the biggest thing with, with Glenn Robinson, would he want to come back? Maybe. What he wants, you know, would he, he pretty much is going to go wherever he can get a, a significant role. And I think that he's a role player, you know, an eighth, ninth man. He is. Not, not my favorite role player, but, I mean, he's got the three-point shot. It's pretty, it's pretty consistent, and I feel like he could help. But, yeah, I'm, I mean, I like him, but I'm just not like, you know, it's, just, it's a crappy draft class. <laughs> I mean, or a free agency class. It's like hard it to get really excited. It really is. And then try and take it to the next level where you're trying to be realistic for who would sign with the Pacers with the amount of money that they have. Because you're really looking at, if you're Indiana, you're looking at the full mid-level exception or the biannual exception. I mean, that, that's pretty much what you're looking at. Unless you, I think the Pacers are going to get better through trade. Uh-huh. But, you know, when I'm trying to talk about a, a list of free agents, you know, outside of a sign and trade, which, you know, we'll, we'll be touching on a little bit later. Uh, these are some of the guys that I think that could fit into the cap space that we have. So it ain't always pretty out here. <laughs> yeah, so the next person I'm going to go with here at my number eight, Vachi, is somebody that uh, he might not make a lot of sense, but he could. It just depends on what he wants. He's 35 years old, going to be 36. 
this upcoming season, and it's it's Paul Millsap. You know, and, and Paul has just made bank with Denver. I think he was making twenty plus million a year, uh, and really was pretty good for them. He was a starter, but there was some lapses there where you were just like, "What is he doing?" So, you know, I I think that you know I I don't know if he'd be willing to take the mid level exception for ten around ten million dollars a year. I'm not sure what the full MLE is, but. I just feel like Paul Millsap makes a lot of sense because he's of age. He's 35 years old, gives you that playoff experience, and, and gives a little bit of leadership in the locker room that I think we need. And he he probably doesn't have to start. He could come off the bench. He he could start though if you do trade Miles and, and get a and get a wing. You know you could start him next to Sabonis, but I just think he's a good defender. He was on the all defensive. Uh, he made all defense in uh, 2015, 2016. He's a four-time All-Star. You know, just a really good guy. And, I mean, his numbers have gone down. You know, he only averaged 11.6 points this past year. But three-point shooting-wise, he's been decent his entire career. He had a 43 – he shot 43.5% this year, which was the best of his entire career. So that's really good. So, yeah, I just – I like Millsap a lot, and I think he makes a lot of sense. So here's the first time that we so far we agree on our list. I have Millsap there only because I do think that at this point in his career, you know, this is this is the downturn for Millsap. This is the veteran type guy that I would like for the Pacers. It feels like Al Jefferson with a little bit more to give. Mm-hmm. And now I, I don't want to commit by any means big money to Millsap at all. Right. In today's in today's NBA, if you can get him for under ten million, just like we talked about, it's really not that bad. I mean, because mm-hmm. you're getting a guy that is going to be ready every single day. I mean, they just can't coming off the run with Denver, so you know th- that that's someone that I like a lot. There was another power forward that I wanted to include over here, but I just don't think it's going to happen. So I'm just going to throw that in here just because I wanted it as like almost like an honorable mention. But you know, when I came across Marcus Morris's name. That was someone who I wanted. But let's be honest, Marcus Morris isn't signing with the Pacers for you know the, the full mid-level exception. No, at nine point seven six million. Yeah, that, that's not happening. So that was someone that initially, when I was making my list, I had him at the middle tier, and then I actually removed him and had Millsap there because that's more of a realistic move. Millsap has played in markets before, like Utah and Atlanta and Denver and stuff like that, where. You know, it's not like he's coming from the L.A.s. I mean, Marcus Morris might give up money to sign with, the, you know, the Lakers to, to try and win a championship and stuff like that. Oh, no, sorry, um, the Clippers. But I don't think he's giving up money to sign with Indiana. So a guy like Millsap felt realistic. Well, and you got to think about this, too. Like, we didn't talk about it when we were, like, joking about, kind of joking about LaMelo Ball. But it's like, no offense, but it's like, when it comes to a guy like Marcus Morris, the Pacers are not going to deal with any of his headaches, any of his no. shenanigans. Like it was one thing when it was Lance, but Lance wasn't even nearly as rough around the edges as Marcus Morris was. But yeah, I mean Paul Millsap, thirty-five years old. Like I said, it's not ideal, but I do think one thing we have to consider as well when we're looking at this year's draft class. You mentioned the salaries coming down. How much money is going to be out there? Because you know teams aren't going to be spending a lot of money, knowing that we're in a in a in a, in a down year with a pandemic. So it, the salary cap could be really hard to figure out. And I really think that that could give the Pacers a benefit of like, hey, Paul, you know, we'll give you a two-year, you know, 
deal where we give you the full like the full mid level for the next two years or the next three years. Like yeah. they could entice yep. him by like, I think you can go up to four years with the MLE. So they could entice him with like two or three two or three years on it. And he could be like, man, that'd be really nice. Like nine to ten million dollars for the next three years, it's like twenty seven million. And you know, who knows how good the Pacers will be and how good the East will be. But I mean if he's going to get playing time, I think that would be more enticing than sitting the bench for a team that's going to, you know, be a title contender. Definitely. And even if you could work out a similar to that Al Jefferson contract, which I believe was right around three years, $30 million, that third year only had, I think, $4 million guaranteed. If you could work something out like that where that third year is only partially guaranteed, that would really, you know – put the icing on the cake as there's a way to get out of that deal and flip that contract for something down the line because i don't want to be doing four years of Millsap at you know age 39 there's not going to be much <laughs> talent left but for two years that that feels like it aligns with the pacers window with this team basically yeah. with you know your sabonuses your brogdon's your your miles turners you know you got one year of oladipo we'll see what happens but yeah, I'm on board with that if we can do about a two, at most, three-year deal at under $10 million a year. Uh, moving on to my next guy. I don't think it'll happen, but I had to put him on the list because it's someone who I got a lot of love for. And I, I when this man was on the streets, it made no sense Oh, to no, That's no, 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 no. I oh cannot refrain. What are you doing? I knew Stop Mello this. had something left in the tank. <laughs> I knew it. And he yeah, pours in round 16 points, <laughs> 16 points per game. He was so clutch in the bubble. I mean, that the man was hitting big time shots with under a minute, under two minutes to go. Uh, he showed that he's gonna be on an NBA roster next year. He shot 38 and a half percent from three. Uh, his rebounding was up. His defense was, was was he was hustling. I don't think he's gonna sign with the Pacers. I think he probably resigns with Portland, but. If he is looking to sign above a minimum type deal, that that biannual exception at two years, seven point eight million, right around there. If you could sign Melo for about three and a half million dollars, how are you going to turn that down? Now, here's the thing: I don't <laughs> oh, think he starts for us by any means. It's not going to happen. But can you let me dream a little? How are you going to turn that down? Get over it, you little Nick lover. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're you're falling in love with your Nick guys, and that's funny because I'm about to mention a former Nick. But uh, yeah, so I mean, come on, man. Like Carmelo, he's not leaving Portland. If he does, he's, he's going to go to a championship level team. Like he's not even a realistic, you know, a realistic guy. Like sure, he might not be worth a lot of money, but it's like at this point, after watching what LeBron did, I could be like, I could be so, I would be so shocked if he didn't be like, yeah, I want to go play with the Lakers. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah, it's like. <laughs> Melo, if he ring chases, like, good for him. Like, I don't care. Like, he proved it this year. Like, he's still got game. And he wasn't actually terrible defensively. Like, he still showed flashes of bad defense. But, of course, not terrible. So, I'm going to move on to my next guy, my number seven. I got Mo Harkless. Uh, this is a guy that actually I was hoping that he might get bought out when he was traded to the Knicks for Marcus Morris, which you brought up. So, I thought that was kind of funny. But, yeah, so he was traded there, and they also got a first-round pick from the Clippers from it, I believe. So really when it comes down to it, it's like Mark, uh, Mo Harkless, excuse me, has really had some playoff experience playing with Portland for a long time. And then, you know, being part of the Orlando teams early on, they didn't win a lot of games, but I mean, playing a lot of experience with Portland, getting into the Western conference finals and then playing last year with Kawhi and PG, he looked pretty good last year. So, 
Um, I, I like him a lot. His three-point shooting could be a little bit better, a little bit inconsistent. It's like you look at the last five years, he shot 28% with the Knicks, but he shot 37 with the Lakers or with the Clippers. He shot 35% the previous year with Portland and then shot 28% the previous year. But then the year before that, he shot 42. So it's like I don't know how good of a three-point shooter he is, but overall for his career, he's about a 33% three-point shooter. And he only averages about seven points a game. But I just feel like he makes a ton of sense as our backup small forward, power forward, someone you can really count on. And just a, a solid veteran. And he's 27 years old. He's been in the league since he was 19. So would make a lot of sense with our age group. It would. Mo Harkless, I definitely remember you pushing for Mo Harkless if he was going to be bought. I definitely remember that. Um, so that's clearly someone you had your eyes on. You know, I like his game. I do. Um, I think he's got, you know, good size. Like you mentioned, you know, three-point percentage being inconsistent. You know, his, his numbers were down with the Knicks, but that was only a 12-game sample size. So I'm sure he probably could have got the, that three-point percentage up if it was a full season. So I do like what he brings to the table uh, there. So that does seem like someone who could be realistic for the Pacers to sign. I don't – I would not imagine him, you know – getting any any type of big money at all i do think that that would be someone that would be signing for maybe you know could be three and a half million dollars per year on a multi-year deal you know who's more just looking for a role and also just to throw it in there a little bit mo harkless uh leaving to go to portland was i mean going to go to the clippers was actually cited as one of those guys that kind of messed up a little bit what portland had because they had good chemistry with Mo Harkless, and he was one of those role players, kind of an unsung guy on the team that when he left, Portland felt it. So mm-hmm. I like Mo Harkless. I do, and I do think that that is you know, a realistic one. Otherwise, we would have Anthony Davis on our list and you know a ton of other guys. So that could right. be realistic. Yeah, I, th- I think um, he's very realistic. Who do you have next? Moving over to my number five guy on the list. Another guy that we're very familiar with, and I did put Justin Holiday on this list because I liked what Justin Holiday brought. I think that Justin Holiday was probably, you know, maybe the surprise of the Pacers team. Like when he when he signed, it was kind of like ah, like this guy's bounced around. It, I feel like he was more known as Aaron Holiday's older brother or Drew Holiday's brother. You know, it felt like that. He signed on a uh, one year, four point seven million dollar deal. And he's thirty one. This is his best and last chance at a real solid deal. From some comments that we heard, probably doesn't sound like Justin Holiday is coming back to this team. But yeah. <laughs> I do think that, you know, I do think that, you know, there is still the relationship with Aaron Holiday, you know, being on the team. There is, uh, you know, the fans, obviously, that I believe the team values him. But it feels like that full mid level is just too much. To offer Justin Holiday, I'm not ready to be giving oh, him really? just under ten. I'm not ready to be giving him about ten million dollars a year. If we can work out a deal <laughs> that that's a multi-year deal, something maybe around three years, twenty-one million, I'd feel good about that. Yeah, similar raise. to McDermott. Yeah, yeah, because you're thinking about Justin Holiday at this point. He's looking for a multi-year deal. This is his last opportunity to cash in on multiple years he'll be 34 35 by the time a three-year deal ended he's never made seven million dollars in a year three years 21 million i feel like that's a little bit of a discount uh for the patients you get to play with your brother again i like that deal yeah the brother thing doesn't have anything to do with it Fachi. i think when you look at him overall he's just a, he's just he had a great shooting season 
and he played really yep. well on defense, and he played out of position. So I think that his stock might be a little high across the league. I do. I do. And, and, you, and you think about a team that's already been reported, like New York has their eyes set on Justin Holiday. Like, look, I don't really know what New York's planning on doing, but, like, if they got a bunch of cap and they're going to go give it to Justin Holiday, like, the Pacers cannot match that. So And they're no, not don't, going to. Don't try and match that. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're not going to match it. Like, And that's nothing against Justin Holiday. It's just like, look, bud, uh, <laughs> you know, we liked what you did last year. We're going to give you a decent deal if you want to come back. But if not, hey, we're happy that you're getting paid. We just can't pay you that. So that's that's okay with me. I like him. A, I like him a lot, and I would be really happy. And I even said earlier this year before the bubble started, like re-signing him is like priority number one. Like it, it makes a lot of sense to bring him back. But I I don't really think like if I don't really expect Oladipo to be here, so I don't think that that would be a problem with him coming back because of his relationship with Victor or his frustrations with Victor or whatever. But I will say this, he is a guy that could be very coveted and very affordable. And if I'm Justin, even though my brother's here, if I go somewhere and get paid about the same amount of money for a team that's a little bit more of a contender, I got to consider it. I can't disagree with that at all. I just think at this point, you know, like I mentioned, it'd be nice if he would take a discount to stay in Indiana, but I feel like he's probably looking to cash in on the biggest deal and the biggest role out there. And for Indiana, I don't know if that, that meets either. If, yeah. if the Knicks come calling, you know, doesn't Justin Holiday feel like the perfect player to take the Knicks money? <laughs> I mean, they are not they are not getting an all-star player over here unless they completely overpay for one. Like Julius Randle signing with the Knicks last year for $20 million per year was like the most Knicks thing that they could possibly do. They wanted out of that deal after about two months. So it just feels like Justin Holiday is the perfect player to take, you know, ten to twelve million dollars a year from the Knicks in a time where only about five teams have the cap space to yeah. really be spending. Yeah, for sure. So I'm gonna move on to my next guy and I've got Serge Ibaka. And this is a guy like you might look at me like he's thirty years old, average fifteen points a game last year at eight point two rebounds. Does he make a lot of sense? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. If the Pacers decide, hey, we're going to do a sign-in trade, and maybe they could maybe they could use Miles in this trade, because I think when it comes to Toronto, they've got a really interesting upcoming offseason. We've talked about it quite a bit. Fred Van Vliet, Marcus Gasol, who's already reported going, reportedly going back to Europe, and Serge Ibaka are all free agents. And then, of course, you've got you know, OG Ananobi going to be due for an extension here soon. Kyle Lowry's got one year left on his deal. So, like, what exactly are the the, the Raptors going to do? Are they going to get younger and build around Pascal and OG? And I think, you know, really, I think if you're looking for a modern center, Turner makes a lot of sense with those two guys, especially defensively. And the Pacers might be a little bit hesitant to do that, but, like, 30 years old, he only started 27 games last year, so completely fine coming off the bench. I think that, you know, Serge Ibaka is somebody that's really enticing. Serge Ibaka arguably had a career year in less minutes. I mean, yeah. if you look you look at his numbers, he played 27 minutes per game. That was uh, the lowest of his career other than his rookie year, and he averaged a career high in scoring. He shot over 51%. His rebounds were over eight, which would place, you know, second in his career. Um, he had a really good year. I mean, I remember when he used to be known as a blocker. I mean, and he was blocking everything that was shot in the air. It's been quite some time since those days, but I do think that that's someone who is either cashing in or going to a contender. Uh, while it would be nice 
to to bring Serge Ibaka to Indiana if you can you know move around some things. There would have to be a sign and trade involved just because I do think he's going to be outside the Pacers' price range. He's coming off making I believe it was twenty one million dollars per year. Uh, you would probably have to you know include like a Turner or Sabonis. I obviously wouldn't want to do Sabonis there. It just feels like with Gasol gone, I could see the Raptors looking at you know do you sign Ibaka? Do you let him go? But I just don't see him picking Indiana there. I don't. Yeah, and I yeah. think you'd have to get a little too crafty. I mean, you know, what are the odds that you're really getting back any other assets if you do a sign and trade and include Turner in there from Toronto? Like, are, are you getting, you know, a really late first round pick? I don't know. I'd rather search around for another <laughs> trade partner for Miles Turner. Yeah, and it's more so just like just if the Pacers decide they could trade somebody else for him too, just so that yeah. just so that the Raptors can get something back in return. I mean, they already yes. have good relationships with them. If you go back to the CJ Miles for Corey Joseph deal they did, but I think Ibaka yep. really likes Yasai Jiri, so I, I would be surprised if he left. But I still think it's worth bringing up and just putting that thought in people's minds. Oh, definitely, definitely, and plus with Gasol probably leaving, you know, there'll be a bigger role for for Ibaka over there uh, if he did resign. So that'd be interesting to see. I do think that unfortunately, in a down free agent class, Ibaka is going to be one of the more coveted guys. Yeah, so I agree. I moving agree. on. So how many guys you got moving left? I've got about five. <laughs> I got four. Four. Okay. So, um, so for my my fourth uh, guy on my list, I'm going with Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder is someone who I've really liked Jay Crowder's game for a while. I feel like Jay Crowder went from being on that bargain contract that was paying him about $7 million a year to that contract has really helped him get traded from Boston to Cleveland to then Utah to Memphis to then he goes to Miami. I mean, it feels like there's a reason why he's getting moved. I mean, obviously the contract was very reasonable. But that guy's a winner. That guy is is a glue guy that is very, you know, very effective on each team he's been on. Even Draymond Green just gave him a, a really solid shout-out the other day, saying no one ever talks about Jay Crowder. He's never really showing up, you know, in the highlights. But he's a big reason why Miami was winning. And look, obviously there's other guys that contributed a lot over there. But Jay Crowder was a big part of Miami going on that run. You know, I mean, he wasn't with them for the, the beginning of the year. He only played 20 games, 20 regular season games in the playoffs. But Jay Crowder is, is a guy that is valuable on every single team. He's kind of what you think of now as the 3 and D guy. So I do think that he has an opportunity to cash in here. There's a chance maybe he could be had for that full mid-level exception. So you're basically looking at about four years, roughly $42 million. Uh, I do think that's that's still a good deal for a guy like Jay Crowder, but he could hold out for more. So I don't know if he'll pick Indiana, but I do think that that's someone they have to be looking to acquire because, I mean, he could play the three, he could play the four. I feel like he's just a player that brings a lot to the table. Yeah, and I I, I like Jay Crowder too. He's on my list at number four as well, Foch. So, yeah, I think he could. I think he's a guy that they could go out and get, but at the same time, it's like if every other team has mid-level exceptions they can use, or different teams have mid-level exceptions they can use, why not bring him back? And, and why and why wouldn't you know Miami bring him back on a short-term yeah. deal? Maybe you know, like uh, similar to how they did with Andre Iguodala. So I just like Jay because he's guy that he's a guy that can play the three or the four. He's a good defender. You know, he doesn't have to be the star, but he can be a he can be a help. So. Uh, yeah, I uh, I have Joe Harris as another guy on my list here, Fudge, 
as somebody that I really like. like. I don't know if you have Joe on your list or not. And it's funny because him and McDermott share the same agent. And apparently, like, McDermott, because he was older, had um, had the, you know, privilege of, you know, getting the first offer. So the Pacers basically said, hey, we want to call about one of your guys. And that's what uh, Bobby Marks said on one of the podcasts. He was, I think it was with Ryan Russillo. He was like, yeah, so, like, basically, like, they called and said we want to, you know, look at one of your shooters, McDermott, whatever, and uh, or, or, you know, uh, Joe Harris. And they said, well, you know, we'll uh, we'll talk with McDermott. So I don't know how it worked out, but that's kind of what he said. It's like they just kind of already set in stone, like, when the first person calls for a shooter, they're going to get McDermott. Second person's getting Joe Harris. So maybe it did suck to be the first one to call. But, hey, uh, <laughs> I like Joe Harris. He's more than just a shooter. And I think he could really help this team. And he could start because he started before. But I also think he could come off the bench. I mean, I just really like Joe Harris's game. I love Joe Harris's game. Joe Harris is someone who I listened to a podcast. I think he was on Woj's podcast a while back, I believe it was. And he really came all the way from the bottom. I mean, this guy went from not getting any minutes on the Cavs to then you know carving out a really solid role for himself. And I read that he's actually one of the priorities of Brooklyn to re-sign. Um, I would love to pry away a guy like Joe Harris because you're talking about someone who is one of the elite three-point shooters in this league, but also just very efficient from the floor in general. So if you have an opportunity to bring in a guy like Joe Harris, it, like I just unfortunately said too many times on this podcast, he's what you hoped Doug McDermott would have been. So if you could kind of rewrite that, you know, that would be great. I do think that Brooklyn probably looks to re-sign him. But, hey, you never know what Brooklyn's going to do because they're a team that's obviously looking for a championship but kind of feels like a great shooter to have around Kevin yeah. Durant and Kyrie Irving. So yeah. interesting to see what happens there. But I, I can't knock the interest in Joe Harris by yeah. any means. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Definitely have interest. So – um, we've talked about Jay Crowder, Joe Harris. Who's next on your list? So for number three, this is someone who I like his game a lot, and I know a lot of other people do. In the last few years, he's been on the rise. That's Jeremy Grant. Hey, Jeremy that's my Grant number one. Someone, I, I believe it because Jeremy Grant is someone where if he opts out of his player option, which I believe he will do, this guy is looking – he's, he's going to be noticed. In a weak free agent class – this is someone who I think teams, especially a team like the Knicks who are trying to get their hands on anyone, should and would go after. Um, he's 26 years old. He's in his prime. He could defend well. He could play the three and the four. Um, I think that the full mid-level exception is kind of what you might hope to be able to get him for, right around that 10 to $11 million mark. But I don't know. For, for the right team, there's only about five teams with cap. He could be someone who actually profits pretty solidly. Um, and I just – I saw LeBron give him props after that series concluded because, you know, he really did, did defend very well. But if we, the Pacers can get their hands on a guy like Jeremy Grant, I, I think that good things will happen. And that Grant is someone, like I mentioned before, where his game has continuously improved. I mean, I remember when he was over in OKC – and they gave him some money, and I was like, "What? That's a bold move for for OKC." And this guy lived up to the contract extension. So mm. another guy who's a really good three point shooter. So I like his game a lot. Yeah, and one thing I'll say about Jeremy Grant, like I, 
If Victor Oladipo is someone that could be traded, I, I think that Jeremy Grant. <laughs> I know people are going to be like, oh, "Are you serious? Victor's worth two first round picks and Bradley Beal." No, I mean, <laughs> if if you could somehow get Jeremy Grant back in a sign and trade, if Victor doesn't want to be here, I think that makes a lot of sense because Victor could make a lot of sense for Denver. And if they like, they already had a really good team, but if you put him next to because he, I mean, when Victor is at his best. He's a really good defender. I don't know if he's as great of a, as a defender of, as Gary Harris, but I mean, he's probably really close. It wouldn't be much much noticeable uh, noticeable at all. And, and then you also get the scoring aspect of it. Gary Harris is a non-threat on the offensive end. So if you compare him with John and Nikola Jokic, then you've got a nice team, and you already got MPJ there. So the Pacers could somehow, you know, find a way to go out and maybe get a Monty Morris and. Uh, um, uh, Jeremy Grant in return for Victor. I think that's a win. And, I mean, we talked about Torrey Craig, but he's a restricted free agent. I didn't throw him on my list. He was really tempting, though. Uh, but, yeah, I uh, I think that you could do something with that. And it's like if Jeremy Grant's like, hey, I'm going to leave, and they're like, we don't want to pay you that much money, I get it. But they also might say, hey, we want to overpay you. We got your bird rights. We're going to give you a nice contract because defensively we suck with just Jokic as the center position. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to get a nice payday, and that's why I think like it would have to be a sign-in trade for me. I think it would probably, because you're talking about a team like the Nuggets that obviously value him. Millsap's $30 million per year contract is coming off the books. So they're going to have an opportunity, some extra cash over there to play around with. Obviously, you know they gave Jamal Murray a huge deal. Uh, I'm not sure when Jokic is due a new contract, I would imagine – that's coming up and something that they definitely want to work on. So I could see him leaving. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, Jeremy Grant knows that, you know, he's ready for the next step and a bigger role. So I think that's definitely going to be something that plays into effect. But uh, that's someone who, you know, I really have my eyes on. Um, Moving over to my number two guy, here's where it starts to get a little bit tricky, maybe more of like, I don't want to say like a pipe dream, but more of like a, Let's see what we can do here and uh, and finagle, you know, maybe a sign and trade. But Brandon Ingram? Davis Bertans. No. Oh. Davis Bertans. <laughs> the Latvian laser, you know, like we've talked about before. Hey, just an all From your Wizards. Thing. Yeah, no, never that. My Pacers. Um, a sign and trade would probably have to be how it gets done. Uh, the full mid-level exception could be what, you know, Bertans, you know, could be willing to sign for, but – you know, if Washington held on to him at the trade deadline, which I honestly thought was stupid because they weren't going anywhere, then clearly they probably have interest in re-signing him. So that would be interesting if you're going to put a shooter over there to have a guy like John Wall be able to pass to on a fast break. Uh, Bertans is someone who is going to be coveted in this free agent class. At times, he looked like this year, you know, arguably the best three-point shooter in the league for most of the season. So... It would be interesting. I wouldn't want to, you know, blow the load on Burton. So if it came to a, a sign and trade, I mean, I'm really not looking to offer too much. It would have to be more about him letting Washington know I'm leaving. Yeah. So what, well, what do you what do you want? I'm curious if there's a way. Like I don't know if this would work, but like you could trade. Like let's say like the Pacers trade Doug McDermott for Burton's in a sign and trade, but then they use their MLE to to sign him. I don't know if they could do that. I'd be interested to see how that might work. It probably wouldn't, but if they could, like, I don't think it would. Yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about the cap, so I'm the wrong person to ask. But like, you don't want to trade 
Turner or someone like that to no, Washington no. for Bertons. Like, no, no. But Bertons had a good year, but the Wizards, I mean, yeah, the Wizards sucked. And you knew that. I mean, you live right next door to them. And so uh, Bradley, Bradley Beal is averaging like 30-some points a game, but the team sucked, and everybody's mad that Sabonis made the All-Star game over. Well, look, Sabonis is averaging 18 and 13 and 5, and the Pacers are fourth and fifth in the Eastern Conference, while Bradley Beal and the Washington Wizards are outside of the playoffs. So, no, don't give me that. And it's like, look. Bertons like didn't even go to the bubble because he didn't want to hurt his stock. I, I don't know. Yep. I, I don't know what exactly Bertons expects to do going forward. But I like the guy as a shooter. I think he'd be really fun. But I don't think he'd be a good fit next to Sabonis because defensively that'd be atrocious. And I just don't think I want to invest a lot of money in him. That's just me. But uh, it's it's intriguing. Yeah, someone is going to this year that that guy is is going to be cracking ten million dollars a year, without a doubt. It's just a matter of who. Uh, like I said, if it's a sign and trade, I, I would only want to do it if it's if it's known that he's leaving and the Pacers can offer up you know something that they're willing to part with that that that's not a big deal. Uh, like Miles Turner is off the table in this discussion here. Yeah, I, I agree with that too, Fudge. So. I've got two guys left on my list, and you know I couldn't do a Pacers podcast without bringing up my guy from Toronto, Fred Van Vliet. And <laughs> I know I, it was funny. I was actually reading some people's comments, and they're like, this obsession with Fred Van Vliet is disgusting. He's got to stop this. And I'm just like, look, <laughs> I get it. I backed off quite a bit. So thank you for holding me accountable for that. And I understand why there are concerns about the thing with him and Malcolm. And it was just an idea. I got some positive feedback, so I kept kind of going with it. And then seeing the negative feedback, I was like, okay, maybe I need to rein it in a little bit, Fudge. I just like Van Vliet. I just think at this, if you look at this class, it's not great. It's not. We've talked about that. It's not very good. And it's like, look, if you're gonna if you're gonna get rid of one of these guys, I I agree it would be another sign and trade situation because he's gonna make more than what you can offer for the mid uh, mid level exception. But he's just a winning basketball player, and I don't even know if he makes sense for this team or not. I think there's arguments for both sides of it, but I just really like him. I really do. I mean, Fred Van Vliet, I think, is going to be like the the crown jewel of free agency outside of Anthony Davis. So. I think someone like him is going to be highly coveted. I mean, I don't understand how but, the Knicks. But where's came the up money? Much. The Hawks don't want I, that's him. What I'm the saying. Knicks don't. It, the, it's, the Knicks. He's not going to well, go there. The, the old, oh, I believe he will. I actually read man, some. Look, as much as as much as the Knicks have been out there talking about all these different guys are going to trade for, I've seen reports recently that said the Knicks actually don't have interest in, in going after. Van Vliet, but but yet they want to trade for Oladipo and they want to trade for Chris Paul. So hey, let them do that. Let Van Vliet go somewhere else. Oh, definitely. But at the same point, uh, going back to what we talked about, Toronto, Marcus All gone. You know, uh, Abaka could be gone. That frees up a lot of money to be able to re-sign a guy who's very valuable to them and Fred Van Vliet, a guy who. You know, was so key in winning the NBA Finals. It just, it would be so hard for a team like them to let him go, especially with Kyle Lowry. I mean, look, Kyle Lowry's been massive for that team over the years, but make no mistake about it, there's only one year left on his deal, and to re up him at a big time deal feels kind of, I don't, I don't know, I don't want to compare it to like Chris Paul like, but you don't want to be giving him this massive deal that's paying him you know 30 to 40 million dollars a year you know on the back end of his career so i think that fred van vliet is someone toronto has to protect 
if the Pacers had an opportunity to get him, I mean, oh my God, I mean, that would be huge. But you would have to work out some things because I can't imagine having, you know, Van Vliet, Brogdon, and Oladipo there. So uh, in a sign and trade, I would imagine what? Oladipo's included in there? That's what I was assuming. I mean, maybe you could trade Turner. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know, man. It's interesting. It's, it's tough because I think one of the two could be had. So yeah, that's, that's my thinking on that. So, uh, how many more guys you got left, Foch? I got one guy left. Let's see if it's the same person. It could be. Is he playing for Sacramento? No, Uh, no one from Sacramento. Number one on my list. Alex, I don't know how we're going to get him, but this guy exploded onto the scene at the end of the year. It would have to be a sign-and-trade, and it's Christian Wood. Christian Wood, Whoa. I think, Did you bring him up last be, week in a trade I idea? I did. I can't get him out of my head, Alex. I cannot. <laughs> Christian Wood is going to be a stud in the NBA next year. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. All right, so Detroit, yes, not a good team. They're not. Christian Wood had to be, you know, there had to be someone good on a team, especially when Blake Griffin was hurt and missed most of the year. But let's just focus on how he finished the year. From mm-hmm. Before the bubble ended, from February 2nd to March 11th, Christian Wood averaged about 24 points per game and over nine rebounds per game. At 58% shooting. Mm -hmm. This guy was on fire. I mean, he looked like a stud. He looked like just someone that was just just really taken off. And I I do think that Detroit, they should not let him go. I mean, you already traded Drummond. I think that that is what they should prioritize on. But if Christian Wood is going to leave... And if Detroit is still looking to, you know, save some money because they've been, you know, bit bad by that Blake Griffin deal, there would be the opportunity to work out a sign and trade there. And I do think that that's the type of situation where if you, you know, if if you're not going to be able to land a top three pick for Miles Turner, being able to include a deal like Turner and maybe Aaron Holiday or maybe Turner and a second round pick, I do think could could be pretty valuable. And uh, Christian Wood. I'm telling you, mark my words, okay. Christian Wood it might be the most improved player of the year next year. Wow. That man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mark him down. I'm going to be that watching man. this like you watch me with Terrence Ross. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you, you can do it. I, I, and I, If I'm wrong, I'll own up to it. But this guy has improved just an absurd amount, and I believe that his time is coming. And that yeah. man, if he, if he overall hits free agency – a team would be smart to lock him up now because his value is going to be way more a year from now. Yeah, I agree with that, Flatch. And um, I, I think Christian Wood's a really good player. I just don't think that he makes a lot of sense with the Pacers. I don't know how good he'd be next to Sabonis. I have my, uh, I don't know, concerns would be a good word, but I just don't know if that'd be the greatest fit. But, yeah, I mean, as your number one guy, that's who you put number one. That's what I'm kind of surprised by. Uh, Jeremy Grant be. makes more sense sense to me than, than Christian yeah. Wood. Jeremy Grant is more realistic because, you know, I don't I don't think you'd have to necessarily do like a sign trade type thing. But I'm I I believe in Christian Wood and I I highly recommend those those of you listening to this, if you haven't Dive into Christian Wood's, you know, highlights. 
his stats, how he finished the year. This is a guy who his time is coming in the NBA, and I want to get ahead of it before this guy, you know, everybody knows about him. Yeah, well, I kind of gave my my number two away. I already gave my number one when it was Jeremy Grant. My number two, I said, is he from Sacramento? And that's because it's Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's a restricted free agent. And I know we talk about Buddy Heald a lot, but Bogdan Bogdanovich is really good. And he took Buddy Heald's spot in the starting lineup. And those two together did not play well, but I think Bogdanovich is really good. So, yeah, I mean, when it comes to Bogdan, it's just like, look, as a restricted free agent, we know. The Pacers don't usually do this. They did it last year for the first time in a long time with Malcolm Brogdon. But I think at this point, you know, you have to consider doing it because you don't have a lot of cap space. And I think Bogdan Bogdanovich is just an excellent player that could really fit with this team at that three guard with TJ Warren at the four and Malcolm and Oladipo if he's here at the one and the two. I just really like the way he plays. So I'm a big Bogdanovich fan. I don't know how much he'd cost, but at least if you went out there and made an offer for him, you might jack up the prices a little bit with Sacramento, but that might hurt your chances of dealing with them. So you you might have to see, hey, can we work out a deal for Bogdan? Um, instead of doing just like a you know uh, giving him an offer sheet or some sort, but yeah, I don't I don't really know what they could do because like you got to think about it if they if they traded Turner or uh, or Oladipo to somebody that had cap space and gave themselves a little bit of room, they could go out and make that deal because we know that on draft night a lot could happen and a lot could change for the Pacers. So that is my number two. I like his game a lot and think he'd fit in well with Indiana. I definitely like Bogdanovich and I know Sacramento does too. Uh, that is someone who I, I it, it feels hard to believe that they would let him go after all. You know, no one picks them to sign in free agency, you know, unless they're, they're offering the bag. So mm-hmm. I, I do think that, you know, I think they'd be reluctant to, to let him go. I do think he cashes in with Sacramento, but, you know, another Bogdanovich in Indiana, <laughs> I don't think anybody's complaining about that. I think you he's know, just it, more it, obtainable it, than Christian Wood. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I do not think that Christian Wood's going to be that obtainable. But if the Pacers, that's why initially my my trade offer was like, what about like Miles Turner and TJ Leaf? And then I started thinking, nobody wants TJ Leaf right now. Like I, you probably have to include a guy like Aaron Holiday, someone young over there. That's too and much. It, that's way too much. I, it, it, it it could be too much, but just wait until next year. I, I'm telling you right now, I don't think the Pacers are getting Christian Wood. But that guy exploded for the second half of the year. So if you can get Bogdanovich, I'm on board. That man is, whether they're going to hold him hostage or not, that man is not getting out of Sacramento. Yep, I agree. So that is our list, everybody. And we hope you guys enjoyed today's show. And we will talk to you all in a a little bit. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I think next week we're actually going to do draft prospects at the Pacers trade into the draft and we're going to do different tiers i think that could be really fun so if you have any ideas uh please let us know but Fachi, any final words at the end of the day let's go paces all right peace out pacer nation we'll talk to you next week sugar ray leonard roberto duran marvelous marvin Hagler, and thomas hearns legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.